So, how's your morning? Check this out. It is not fun discovering where you have invested your energy is not going to get you anywhere. So last Sunday, after a week of fasting, we gathered here for a sacred assembly, and we confessed. We confessed where we have invested our lives, but it's not getting us anywhere. Some of you have asked about those confessions and declarations we had last Sunday and said, where could I get those? And some of you have, have those already and you're continuing to pray over those. And I want to encourage you, if you are a, a covenant member of the church, you received them this week. And if you'd like to get a copy, it's out in the lobby this morning at the information desk. You can pick one up there. So last week, we studied and read that through the prophet Haggai, he reminded the Jews that they were investing their lives into what he called pockets that were full of holes. And so like the Jews in that broken down city, on that Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, we too laid down everything that was really broken down in our lives. It's a good thing that we did that. I appreciate the words, and it's not in your notes, but you can see the quote here from Graham Cook, I'm sorry, Dutch Sheets. God heals history through the same instruments that dislocate it, people. When we confess our sin and repent, even for the sins of past generations, just as Nehemiah and Daniel and others did, cleansing occurs and history's dislocations are healed. Curses are broken and blessings return, or blessing returns. Health instead of pain can then be can begin to flow through that historical joint. So we did this last Sunday. It was a very moving, emotional moment for us. It was a letting go. It was people laying down things of the past. It was a rebirthing. I told people I, I felt it was our Pearl Harbor. It was this moment that we were surprised by things that have attacked us, and we realized it, and now a giant has awakened, and now we go to battle. That it just wasn't a one-time event. Someone said it was like the walls are blown out and the ceiling went off, and now we have this foundation, and we get to build brand new on that foundation. So here we are. And so this I do know. And I, and, I, and I declare to us this morning that we can't go back to what we laid down. We can't do that. So about three years ago, I signed up for a gym membership. Actually, my wife signed me up for a gym membership. I don't know what that meant, but she signed me up. I went to the gym, 
said, hey, yeah, I signed up. And then I, I ran into a friend of mine who's a trainer there, and he said, hey, what are you doing? I said, signed up. I'll see you later. He said, no, 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 come here. I said, what? I, he said, I, I signed up. He said, well, yeah, you signed up, but now it's time to get busy. Otherwise, you're going to return back to the old habits you're trying to get rid of. And so the first thing he did is he took me through an assessment. An assessment is the Jim's rendition of a sacred assembly. It is where the body confesses. And so he made my body confess. Yeah, you're not too flexible here. You're not too strong there. And you don't have real good endurance. And then he put me, he gave me this machine that I held, this, this, this tool, this thing, this cursed thing that would measure the fat in my body. Who wants to do that here today? And so, so I, I hung on to that, and, and my rendition of what he told me it does is it sends a signal to the body, and the signal fights through the fat, and goes around to the other side and comes out, and depending on how long it takes for that signal to get through, determines how much fat you have in your body. I looked at him and said, you might as well go out, have lunch, and get a haircut, because this is going to be a while. So my body confessed. I said, okay, all right, well, you know, all right, the assessment's done. See, so he said, no, 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 no. Now we get active. He said, here is your fitness plan. Here is your training plan starting today. A great intention becomes a realization only with immediate traction means we got to do something. Folks, we came here and he said, ooh, we lay it down, and oh, it's done. We're going to be brand new. And then we just can't go back to the way we were. We can't go back and do the stuff what we did before. So while Haggai, as we looked at last week, led them through an analysis, he led them through an assessment, there came this young prophet, teacher, priest, who said, oh, yeah, 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 well, yeah, 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 yeah. You get, you, the assessment's there, but here is the training plan. See, Zechariah was born in captivity. He was in Babylon. He was living there. He was born there. And God came to those who were worshiping in these synagogue places because they were still doing the Jewish thing. But God had said, now you're going to leave here because they're going to let you go. So you need to come back to Jerusalem. And so he came back. But a lot of his compadres did not show up because those who had been born in captivity didn't know they were in captivity. They were born there. This is not captivity. This is home, and they had become very comfortable, and many of them had woven their way into the fabric of that culture, and now they were becoming prosperous and enjoying it. And when God said, uproot and go, they go, oh, no, this is enjoyable. I'm doing this thing. This is really great. And God said, no, I got a better thing, and they wouldn't go. And so this man and some of his friends make their way back. When they arrived, they found a city, unlike where they'd left. They found a city that was dead. They found a city where the gates had been ripped off the hinges, where the walls had been torn down, and where the temple was in, in shambles. It, it was just rubble. It's all that was left. Most of the Jews that returned with, with Zechariah were poor, 
were weak, were discouraged. And the majority of them that came at that moment were millennials. We call them millennials today, the 20-somethings. And so when they arrived, this 20-something, this millennial, Zechariah, hooks up with this baby boomer, Haggai, and they become a voice for God. And, and Zechariah's voice is this, it's time for us to act. It's time for us to get traction. So after last Sunday, as we laid it down, we have to do something new now. We just can't do what we did before because there's a saying, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And so something's got to change, but we don't like change. We, I mean, if Erie had a slogan, it's, we don't like change. <laughs> because here's the deal. We are so phobic. We, there's just this thing called FOMO, fear of missing out. And we have so many options these days because of all the things we know and do like we've never known and done before. And so we're afraid if I do this thing, then I'm going to miss this thing. And if I go over here, then, then this thing would have been better for my life. And so we're afraid to change. So what if, what if we take care of that today? What if I tell you that I can hook you up with one who can look at every single option you'll have I can say, this is the best for you, and I'll line you up. I'll be your appointment secretary. I'll put you with the right people at the right time that you will never miss out on anything that is best for you. Because quite frankly, there's one thing that provides all things. So there's the conundrum that they're in. You can stay in Babylon with all the fun stuff, or you can go to the city of Jerusalem that is just dead bones. You can, you can look at, at what you see and say, this is best, or you can, you can say, well, but God sees this, so now who do I trust? And that's the thing that we always face. Who do we trust? So now we need to understand how we look at things and how God looks at things. So hang with me, because I'm gonna take you through a little theology now. You ready? You're gonna walk out of here so much smarter than when you came in. And for some of you, that's going to hurt, but you hang in there. God is a being who describes himself as this way. He says, who are you? I am. It is, it is a really great phrase because it means that I am ever existent. I was never born. There was never a beginning of me. There's never an end of me. I have always been I am. That's who I am. I am, I am, I am, I am. For God... God never has a succession of moments. You are having a succession of moment right now. You have a moment called morning. You're gonna have a moment that says afternoon. You're gonna have a moment that says evening. God doesn't have that. God does not even have a progression of any states of existence from one to another. You have. You were once a child, then you were an, a toddler, and then you were an adolescent, and then you were a millennial, and then you, you, you just walked your way right up to, you know, I was, I was working out in this gym, and, and, and I, in the corner of my eye, I saw an old guy working out, and he, and he was working hard. And finally, I looked over that way and realized it was a mirror. And there was this realization, I said, what happened? I thought I was still 40. It's a succession of seasons in our lives. It's a succession of existence to another stage. God doesn't do that. 
The thing about God is this, that everything is present. Because God does not live according to time. God created time for you. Because he said, I'm going to give you a body. And if you're going to have a body, you need space and time. And so we will always, even when God changes us, when Jesus returns and says, here, you get a brand new body, which is great, but you don't have to use the fat meter for anymore. No fat in heaven. That's so good. And the first thing we do when we get up there is eat. So good. So even in heaven, we will continue to have successions. That's why he said is forever and ever and ever and ever because we go succeed, succeed, we keep going. But with God, now catch this, at this moment, the way that he is in the dimensions he lives in, right now he sees Moses on Mount Sinai. He sees David killing Goliath. He sees Abraham Lincoln at Gettysburg giving the address. He sees you sitting here right now, and he sees the Super Bowl next week. And he sees your child, who happens to be one month old, he sees that child at age 50 all at one time. So being the way that he is, he says this to those Jews. He says, up, escape to Zion, that's Jerusalem. You who dwell with the daughter of Babylon, for thus says the Lord of hosts, after his glory sent me to the nations who plundered you, for he who touches you touches, and remember this, the what? He touches what? The apple of his eye. Catch that. Keep going. Behold, I will shake my hand over them, and they shall become plunder for those who serve them. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, daughter of Zion, for behold, I come, and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day, and they shall be my people, and I will dwell in your midst, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Here's what he says. Because I see all of that right now and you don't, I happen to know that the people that you have now woven your way into that culture, there's coming a force that will take them captive, and you will no longer have what you thought you had. You have invested yourself in something that's not going to get you anywhere. So you need to follow where I'm taking you because I want you to invest in the place that will take you where you need to be and that you will love. Now, the, th the thing about this is that God does not share his plan by horoscope, by the alignment of the stars, or by majority rules. He does it personally. He said, you're the apple of my eye. It's a great phrase because the actual wording, the Hebrew wording means the little person in the eye, in the pupil. So what is that? That is that when you get close enough to somebody that you can see your own reflection in their eye, then you are the apple of their eye. You're that close. He said, that is my intention for you, that you move close enough to me, that when you get that close, I will give you my plan and you will trust me. Now, before, before he said this that we've just read, he said this to Zechariah. He said, look at this, and there was this vision. There was this vision of a man holding a tape measure, and he's measuring Jerusalem. He said, why would you measure Jerusalem? The place is destroyed. It's not very large. It's a mess. 
He said, but you don't understand because you're going to need that tape measure because it's going to keep growing because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send so many families into Jerusalem and, and so much commerce into that city that it will continue to expand that you might as well not put up walls because every time you put up a wall, you're going to have to knock it down and expand it out because there's going to be so many people advancing and, and it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And, and I, he said, I, because it will expand like that, I will be your wall. I will be your wall of fire and I will surround you as you expand. So what I want to tell you this morning, that when you get close enough that way and you look at the shambles of your life right now, if you get close to God, he'll give you a plan. And what he tells you is this, I will expand that plan. I will give you what you need in your business. I will give you what you need in your family. I will give what you need in your church. And I will expand it out if you will move close to me and make that the very first thing you do, move close to me. I will expand it out and I myself will protect it and I will be your wall of fire. That is for you. He said, I will be the glory in that place, in your family, in your business, in, in your circle of community. I will be the glory, meaning I will be the substance of life. And he said, and I will mess up those people who try to mess you up. That's my promise. And my glory will be so great that there will be people coming to your business and coming to, to your, your gathering, to your faith community, to your church, gathering with you, not because you have such slick appeal, not because you are so cool, not because you're just a pleasant person, not because you have the greatest program, but simply because they'll go, I heard God's with you. Can I come look? Because that's the only thing that will keep them there. I got to tell you that several weeks ago, I met with a lot of the worship people, and we sat down and said, what is God telling us to do? So you want to know what they do here every morning or every Sunday morning? You know what they're doing and what they're praying about when they practice and then they, they gather on Thursdays and they worship together? You know what they're doing? They are praying, God, make us so aware of you and make us so humble before you that that place that we gather every Sunday, this place will be your dwelling because that's all we want. We just want you to dwell here, that you will be here when we arrive and you'll be here when we leave and this is the place we're going to want to come because you are just, you are just so full in this place. That's their desire. I said, that's what, I, that's what will happen. You will advance and you will fill because I will be there and they will ask, can I go with you there? It's the one thing, the one thing, the one thing, the one thing. Get this, it's the one thing. Everybody hold up one finger. It's the one thing, one thing. Get close to God. You got to. Everything else grows from there. And this is our moment right now. You say, well, now the foundation's clean. Yes, one thing, one thing. Now, move close to God. So Pam and I have been reevaluating our life structure. Oh, you're a pastor. You're, you're just, you got perfect, don't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've been reevaluating our life structure and trying to realign ourselves with what would best get us close to God and his plan. And we are devoted now to what I believe are four actions, four activities that are paramount to being the apple of his eye so that I can hear his plan and move where he wants me to be. 
So an angel comes to Zechariah, and the angel shows him this, this lampstand, bright lights, a big bowl of, of olive oil that feeds it, so the light's always going, and two olive trees, one on each side, so that symbolically that light will never go out. And Zechariah goes to the angel whose name was Dude, Dude, <laughs> what is this? And so dude says this, Zechariah 4, 6. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, who's the governor, not by might, not by power. But this light, this lamp, that's my spirit. You want to make it? You got to have this spirit flowing in you, and it will never cease if you allow it to flow through you. This is, you, this is the power the governor needs to get you ahead where you need to go. This is the power you need as a church to now advance. This is the power you need for your business to go. This is the power you need for your family to be whole. This is the power you need. This power, only this power, this is the one thing that getting close to him will get you. It's this power. And he said, any obstacle in your way, I'll get out of the way. So, I mean, what's the deal? What's the thing that's in front of you? Your job? A critic, a major expense, a fear, a memory. Somebody once said it's that God won't let you go through more than you can handle, and that's not true. It's not true. God won't give you more than you can handle with the power of the Holy Spirit in you. So I want to encourage you this morning that we've got to implement these activities to be powerful. So please hear me and hear me clearly. And if someone's sleeping next to you, just nudge up and say, Pastor, ask you to pray, would you stand? <laughs> no, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. So, Pam and I have increased our prayer time. We've got to, because we don't want things to be like they have been in the past. Not that things were bad, and some things were not so good. But so, so we've increased our prayer time so that we have a, a, a greater God awareness, a greater faith, a greater hope. So I want to challenge you that we need to increase our prayer time starting when? Now. Don't put it off. I want to encourage you that have families that, that when you're at home, so often that TV is just blaring because it's filling noise. And if you've got a DVR, just record stuff. And would you just stop and, and, and it, whether it's husband and wife or kids or, or a single parent with kids, would you just stop and say, you know, we're just going to pray now because we want to pray that, that God will do these things. And, 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 and stop and just pray. Gather with friends and pray. Starting this Wednesday, I will be in here every Wednesday that, that I'm in town, and I'm going to be in town for a long time, I think, so, so every Wednesday night from 5.30 to about 6.15, and then give you enough time to get to some classes, and I'll hit you about that in just a moment. Would you just come and pray with me? The community of faith has got to pray. And we're going we're gonna to keep wrestling and battling. And, and, and I gave you the whole thing about prayer before. It is so vital. 
we got to pray. And so would you, it's not even in your bulletin right now, but it, it, we'll remind you from now on, but would, would you just come and join me? We just gather right here. We stand around. We sit here, and, and we just talk to God. Why? Jeremiah 33 says this, Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I just love this verse, because here's what it says. You call out to me. You cry out. You even, and it actually means to, to, to make it loud. Cry out to God. He said, I'm going to show you great things. The word great means to show you things that you would not normally understand with your current knowledge and experience. Stuff that you should not know, suddenly you're going to know as you cry out. There's a lot of stuff I need to know that I don't know. And God says, I'm, I'm going to show you. And, and I'm going to show you hidden things. These are things that in places that are walled off from you that God says, I'm going to remove the wall as you cry out so that you can be in that place that you need to be, that you couldn't have done otherwise. So my, my brother Jay, in, in like 1958, was born in Westfield Hospital. Now, when he was born, he was an RH baby, which means the mother's blood and the baby's blood mixed, and the mother's blood was attacking the baby's blood. And they said, we got to get, get him to the Children's Hospital in Buffalo, New York. Now, this is the, the late 1950s. Got to get him to Buffalo, New York, to the Children's Hospital there and get him a transfusion because we can't do it here. So, okay, big deal, get him there. No, no, you need to understand this because we understand this, don't we? There was a major snowstorm, and the ambulance driver refused to take him. So my father said, give me my son. He said, I'm going to take him to the hospital. I'll find a way to find a road to get there. The head nurse said, you're not going with that baby by yourself. I'm going too. So they piled in a car. And just before they left, a call came through. Somehow, I don't know how my grandmother did this or who she talked to. But my grandmother back in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who did not know that Jay had been born, a woman who gathered with four other ladies every week of her, of her life after she came to know Jesus in an intimate relationship. She would meet with them at the church to pray for the people of the church. She was an amazing prayer. She cried out all the time. And she called and said, while I was praying, I had a vision. And my vision is this. Jack, that's my dad. Jack, I, I saw you in a car with a little child, a baby in the back in some box, which was an incubator and a lady in white with you. So I cried out to God, and God says, that baby will be fine. They got to the hospital. Somehow they made it through the snowstorm. They got to the hospital. The next morning, the doctor came in, and he was livid. He said, who brought that baby all the way in that snowstorm? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that baby. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> they, they blamed they blamed the... the they blamed the nurse back in Westfield for doing it wrong. My parents knew that lady, went back to her, and she said, I checked it three times. Three times I did blood tests. Absolutely, that baby had the RH problem. See what crying out will do? It's what God desires. Because here's the startling truth, that we can't be full of the power of the Holy Spirit if we don't call out to God. And if coming close to, to, to Jesus gives us the power of that Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit can't do anything unless we're praying. We have got to pray. May I plead with you that you make room for prayer in your life. 
Join me on Wednesdays. Join one of our 16 prayer groups that meet throughout the week or the month. Would you just, would you just call the office and say, let me get with a prayer group. Would you do that? But above all, pray. Now, tied to that is this. Would you include fasting in our regular habits starting when? Now. Because I'm going to ask you a question. What kind of power do you want available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week? What kind of power do you want? Here's what Isaiah the prophet said. This is what God was speaking through him. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? This is what I want fasting to do. To loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Do you want that kind of power? He said, this is what fasting will do. So I want to encourage you to include in your weekly or your monthly schedule times when you fast. Because here's what fasting does. If you are in a regular habit of fasting, and of course we fast when there's crises or we have a sacred assembly, but if you put this as part of your lifestyle, you begin to develop the ability to hear God's voice by drowning out the other voices that have kept you from hearing what he wants you to know about the plan he has for you and the city you live in and the people that are around you. You gotta do that if you're gonna hear him. In addition to that, fasting creates a pocket of power that is available to you when you need it. Because sometimes you don't have time to go, oh, I gotta go pray about this. You gotta be able to say, bam, it's gonna be done. So you've got, you've got Paul the apostle, who with Silas are in Philippi, and they're on their way to prayer, because that's what they do in the mornings, they go to prayer. And for three or four days, there is this young girl who has a demonic spirit in her, giving her the ability to tell fortunes, and she is harassing them. And, and finally, Paul just turns around, and he says, in the name of Jesus, get out of her. He didn't stop and say, okay, we've we got to pray. Uh, maybe we should call the church together, and we'll fast. He had already been there, and he carried with him the power to accomplish it at that moment. Prayer and fasting release explosions of justice, freedom, generosity, and healing. Thirdly, let's keep the Holy Scriptures in our mouth, starting when? Now. Someone asked me, how are you and Pam dealing with, with what we have seen are the spiritual attacks against the leadership in the church? And we talked about that last week. We are living in Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. So this morning, when I awakened, it was about four in the morning, I awakened, and the first thing, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I could just, and I repeated, I said, Lord, I'm, I, I know there's warfare, but I'm gonna rest. I'm, I'm gonna be there, and I'm gonna walk in a cadence of being at rest with you. I'm, I'm walking, Pam and I are walking into your fortress, into this, this place that you will hide, and we're bringing our kids with us. They may not wanna go, but we're dragging them in here with us. And you're gonna cover them. And, and I go through that in my mind, because he loves me. I will rescue him. I will deliver him, for he acknowledges my name. Lord, I acknowledge your name. You said you will deliver me. You said you will rescue me. If it's on my lips, it sinks into my heart. 
to Joshua, the Lord said, this book of the law, these words about God shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then you will make your way, what? Prosperous. And then you will have what? Good success. So during meditation, what it really means in those days was that they would actually speak out loud a low tone of, of, of those words of God and repeat them over and over again and think about them and what they truly mean so that the heart and the mind would engage with God's truth. Because right now, you have so many voices and messages throughout the day that are bombarding you from text messages, from billboards to, to Google to whatever else, and all of that stuff is just crowding out the truth of God, and you've got to get to the place, and you and I have got to get to the place where we say, wait a minute, there's just one thing, and that's get close to God. If I'm going to get close to God, i got to know him. And so I start repeating those things in my head. And I begin to understand those things. And i got to tell you, that takes more than 30 minutes of your time on a Sunday morning standing here in front of me because you're hearing me. But to be honest with you, this form of communication by the Spirit of God is the worst type of communication for anybody to remember anything. In fact, you could ask me what I preached on two weeks ago, and I go, I don't remember. So we take that word, and we begin to, to repeat it. Now, now here's, here's the other part of this, though. Those words are going to not mean anything to you unless you know what they mean. And God said, I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to send you teachers. And I'm going to give them ability to understand the scriptures and dissect them for you and help you to, to grow in them. But if all you do is come here on Sunday morning at like 30 minutes and you're not studying, you're not having a teacher instruct you, what you know is going to be so narrow and small. And getting close to God involves knowing him. You know, when he says love me, you know, you know what it really means? It means God wants you to understand him, to hang with him to know his ways. And you can't do that without studying. And so if, if all you get is what you kind of get here on Sunday morning, you're not in a good position. Because I believe the days are coming that, that we're going to have reservoirs of knowledge and truth and power for what we're going to face in the future. So we have here Sunday mornings classes. We have Wednesday night teachings. We have Saturday seminars. They're there for you. And if you say you don't have enough time, do you have enough time to make knowing God the one thing? Which means you have to change your calendar. You need to make Wednesdays and Sundays your power days. You say, well, I'm going to grow. I'm going to understand. I'm going I'm to debate the scriptures. How do you know I'm not lying to you today? How do you know there's even a book of Zechariah? I could, I could say, turn to the book of Zeke Globelmeyer. You go, okay, where's that? Just God, where's that thing? How do you know? Because the scripture says in the end days, and I believe that they were there, even the elect could be deceived if they're not ready. One other thing that we're trying to do on purpose is this, talking to and through the Holy Spirit. We've got to keep the Holy Spirit in the core of who we are, starting when? Now. Because when we have issues, we have crisis, we go, to, we go to our friends and we go to our family and we go to Google and we go to uh, 
Dr. MD on the, on the on web, and we go, we go WebMD, we, just, we, we look everywhere. We do all that stuff. And, and it's got to come to the place now that we start with Holy Spirit. Guide me. Take me, take me to where I need to go. Because it's not by might, which means our resources. It's not by might. It's not because we know computers, and it's not because we have money, and it's not because we have an army. It's not because of, of any of that stuff. It's not by might, and it's not by power, which means the full capacity of who we are. None of those things are going to do this for us, but it's by my spirit. It is by my, and the word is ruach. It's the wind. It's, the, it's that spirit that created. He breathed over the earth and he created. It is that, that creative breath, the spirit, the wind of God. It is that breath that is breathed in you to give you endurance. And so, last week I told you that, that one of our, our elders who doesn't normally have visions had a vision and the vision he said that I saw well, it was attacking you this, this community of faith is a wolf. And a lot of times God uses imagery so that we understand it because there's things about God we would not understand, so he puts it in imagery. And, and, and the wolf is a tremendous hunter. The wolf has great endurance. The wolf can go 50 miles in a day. And the wolf will keep after its prey until the prey finally goes, I give up. And then he, then he pounces and he kills. You see, what Satan wants to do, what evil wants to do, is kind of continually harass you and, and go after you to finally come to the place you go, God, where's God in all of this? What, what happened to God? And you just give up, and then it pounces on you. We need to have greater endurance than the wolf has endurance. We have to outlast. That's why we had a sacred assembly. I described it to you this way last week. Blow the horn trumpet in Zion. Declare a day of repentance, a holy fast day. Call a public meeting. Get everyone there. Concentrate the congregation. Make sure the elders come, but bring in the children too. And between the sanctuary entrance and the altar, let the priests, God's servants, weep. Tears of repentance. And then he said, let the priests do this. Let them intercede and let them say this. Have mercy, God, on your people. Don't abandon your people, your heritage, to contempt. Because that's what the evil is doing. Don't let the pagans, evil, take over and rule them and sneer. And here's what they're saying. And so where is that God of theirs? That's what evil does. It gets you to the place you go, God, where's God in this? What's taking him so long? We have to endure even when we have the temptation to say, where is God in this? Adam, come join me. Is the microphone over here? Thank you. So Adam, you're hearing everything I'm saying this morning and, and there may be some folks out here that don't know what you're facing ever since November, and where it's taken you now. So I want you to tell us a little bit what that is, and then I want you to answer the question, how are you enduring this and not giving up? Right. Well, in November around Thanksgiving, uh, I was in a football game, and I got tackled on my side. And um, I went to the hospital because I felt like there was something wrong and had a CAT scan, and they found out that there was a a tumor the size of a softball on the side of my kidney that I had no clue was there, uh, had no side effects or anything. 
So December 1st, I had it surgically removed. They removed the kidney and the, the tumor. And then I had to wait about four weeks of healing from there to get a PET scan. Uh, and about nine days ago, I went to the specialist in Cleveland Clinic, and um, they sat me down and they said, listen, Adam, that tumor that we took out is actually growing back. Not only that, it's moved to your right side and it's on your bladder. Um, it's also up in your lymph nodes and it started to uh, just take over this whole section of my stomach. And he said it's aggressively moving. He said this type of kidney cancer um, is so strong and so active, there's nothing we can do about it. There's no surgery, there's no radiation, no chemo, no nothing that any doctors can do to take care of this. He sat there with me and my wife nine days ago and he said, you have about two to three years to live. And that's what he said to me. So, of course, when you hit something, I don't care where your faith's at, you're like, wow. It, life starts to become real, right, real quick. And we sat there and we cried and we talked and, you know, it's been a roller coaster nine days and talking with different people, talking with Pastor Jack and Pam and just different folks. And it's been a rough week because we're really just in this roller coaster of thinking all kinds of different things. But because of people like you guys and this church family and, and everybody surrounding us in prayer when we really couldn't pray, because of the people's generosity and your support all throughout the week, we literally, we could feel it all week. And our strength started to get stronger in him. And we started to realize that even though the doctors and everybody, they said, here's the plan. And we, we started seeing what they're saying is the plan. And we're sitting there going, God, what is the plan? And we're asking him. We realized that we, we just had to get to a place where we trust God's word. And we trust his character more than the plan. And that's what we're doing now. Because we're trusting that. I walked in on you in the office, and you were downloading some scriptures. Yeah. What are those? Well, I got a, <laughs> a whole list of them, uh, of scriptures, of healing scriptures that I'm reading daily so that I, I continue to renew my mind every single day so that I, I don't fear and I don't doubt this thing. I've changed my diet. I've changed, I'm changing all kinds of things in my life because I'm not going to let this thing take me. So I know that God is with me, and I thank you guys all for being with me, too, and encouraging and supporting me throughout this week in our family. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. Yeah. So I know he's asked in the last couple of weeks, where is God at all this? And God's there. So you do what he's doing. He moves in close. He and Danielle and the family. And their intent is to endure longer than the wolf that's chasing. Because they don't really have a choice. You have a, you have a choice. You don't, you, don't even, you don't feel life or death right now, but you may be facing it and don't even know it. And so my encouragement is, is for you to endure and to do that to, to be able to get to that spot where you trust, he said these words, you've got to trust God, his character more than you do the plan. To do that, we've got to grow up. We've got to be mature. And, and, and to do that, 
we got to change to gain growth. We've got to, we've got to change. Folks, we've got to change. I know it's a nasty word in Erie PA, but just say it with me. Say the word change. Change, yeah. See, that didn't hurt. Like when, when I was in college, I was like six foot one and weighed like nothing. And so I honestly, I would, I would, Burger King was new back then, so I'd go to Burger King and I'd get two Whoppers with cheese minus tomato, two orders of fries and two Diet Cokes and I'd eat it all. It was so great. And, and I would do that and then suddenly, suddenly my body, the, the, the metabolism changed. And I can't do that anymore. So I had to take responsibility to say, I'm not, I'm not eating healthy. I'm not being healthy here. So I had to say, I've got to change the way that I'm doing this. I've got to eat different. I've got to be different. I had to go to the gym. And he said, you've got, you got to do this different. I had to be responsible for that. Me, I had to be responsible for that. My mom used to feed me. I don't remember it, but she said she did. But I can tell you, Pam would have freaked out the first time I took her out for a date. We went to a restaurant, and we sat down, and they brought us food. And she looked at me, and I said, uh, would you cut that up for me? And would you feed that to me? Here. You say, what's wrong with you? You learn, feed yourself. So here's the deal. If we're going to be a mature family, a mature community of faith, it's time for all of us to be responsible for ourselves and our own maturity and growth. It's a responsible time for us to, to depend on the Holy Spirit, to, to pray, to, hang on, we'll get there, she can clap, to pray, for, for you to fast. It's, you you got to do that. I can't go running around and go, God, did you fast yet? Did you pray yet? You've you got to be responsible. you got to change now. Now is the moment. We said last week we laid down the old way. You can't pick that back up again. So it's time to do that, and it's a time to depend on the Holy Spirit. It, it's time for you to feed yourself. Don't ever say, I don't go to that church because they don't feed me. That's an indictment on you. Because I happen to know we're giving you a great meal, but we can't all feed you all the same stuff because you're in different stages of growth. So you got, especially you older people, in God, feed yourself. What's wrong with you? There's, there's so many ways you can feed yourself. Go for it. Ha. Huh. All right. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that, and it just felt so good. So, so, so when you do that, when you do that, and, and you move in close to God, and, and you're depending on the Holy Spirit, here's the promise he said to Zechariah. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way, the governor. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place that they're building, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. So when we're in the middle of God's plan, when we are the apple of his eye, we move that close. Any mountain that stands in your way, God says, I'm making it level. I'm going to get it out of your way. And I think sometimes we say to God, God, what is taking you so long? And I think God is responding back if we could hear him saying, what's taking you so long? Because I've given you the ability to move in close. I've given you fasting and prayer and the word of God on your lips and that meditation and depending on the Holy Spirit. What's taking you so long? So this morning... One thing, move in close to God. You move in close, 
Paul writing to the church at Ephesus saying, having done all of that, now stand. Stand firm. So will you, will you stand right now? And, and here's what I want to do. I, I just think that some of you that are in this place, and maybe many of you have, have been fighting battles and you feel like the, the wolf is just breathing down your neck and you don't know if you have the endurance and you don't know what you should do and you, you, you've, or you may have given up, you may have quit. Don't. We're here to help you. You heard Adam say that with doing life together, with us gathering around each other, they have felt the strength of others as they do their thing, and we want you to feel that strength too. So we've got this great song, a great prayer, a great declaration that we want you to, to be a part of this morning, to just seal your decision that you're going to move close. The one thing, you're going to move close to God. You're not going to give up. You're going you're to out-endure the wolf, and you're going to make it. You are. You're going to make it. And during the week, you start saying, oh, but I'm feeling fake. Get a hold of somebody and say, tell me I'm going to make it. And this week, I came, out, I came out of the service on Monday going, I'm going to conquer the world. Then I had this thing happen to me this week, and I walked into Pastor Don's office. I said, I'm going to resign. <laughs> you, you get to that. And then I went back and said, no, the wolf is not going to get me. So, so, all right, you can applaud. Go ahead. So, so I, I want us united with each other, and I want us to, to know that, that we're going to make that. And so I'm going to invite you right now, and then we're going to ha have the worship team lead us in, in a song, and you can sing with them as, as you get to know the, the words and the tune. But, but if you would like to just come and gather and say, yeah, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to make it. I'm, I'm going I'm to make it through. Just come stand with me right now because I'm here. I'm going to make it. That's it. Just keep moving up closer, make room for all those that are going to come in. There we go. And as you're coming, I'm going to tell you that next week we start a new series. It's called Temptation. And we're going to talk about how to outsmart the wolf. So be sure you're here. So... Chloe and the band are going to come up and they're going to sing and they're going to do it. I just want you to, to watch the words and maybe sing the words with them and then I'm going to come back up here and I'm going to pray a prayer of sealing all of this together. And we're going to walk out of here saying to the wolf, you're not getting me. Not going to happen because we're going to do the one thing. Chloe.
craving for one thing to be the apple of God's eye may you crave him in the morning in the afternoon in the evening may all other pleasures seem so quaint and so empty that you just want to be with him May the words of his truth be on your lips and deep into your heart. May those words build faith within you. May your crying out open up understanding you desperately need, and may it place you in places that have been fortressed off from you in the past, but now you find yourself there filled with the Spirit of God to respond at the proper moment with the right action. May you wrestle in fasting and may you find an ability to hear God as you've never heard before. May you carry a reservoir of power for it is not by might nor by your own power but by my spirit says the Lord now go and endure and find victory in Jesus name amen amen